I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Booksels. It is Booksels times, it's E3 and you've been showered with a conference commentary from myself and Scott Johnson and Brian Dunaway and John Jagger and today I am very glad to be again with Scott to debrief the video game fiesta that is E3. How are yes. you doing sir? Hello, everyone. Uh, it's it's Scott Johnson here. I'm doing great. I felt like uh, the last few days were um, were better because I had friends to hang out with while watching all of these conferences where normally <laughs> that's kind of a solitary affair. But because of some Internet problems, there was a couple that I had to watch later or through alternate methods. And um, I'm very curious about those because we didn't get actually talk about those much. Yeah, that's true. Um, thankfully, Brian jumped in and, and managed a bunch of uh, technical stuff on those. And I'm always, I just want to mention this. I mean, we've been doing this. This is the third year that we're doing this. And uh, I ended up putting up the feeds, uh, the, the commentary on the feed, uh, not on the website, but basically those who wanted to listen to us be idiots as the conferences were happening could do that. And every time the feedback is so good. I would think, you know, listening to us talking over games should be dumb. And really, I think it is. But people seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, no, there doesn't seem to be. Uh, I've, I've yet to have any negative feedback. In fact, many years or the last three years, the feedback I get all year is I can't wait for E3 because I love when you guys do this. So apparently yeah. we're we're ringing the right bell and, the, and that makes us feel good. So thanks, everybody, for for your support during that, your live uh, showing up, your listenership after the fact. Uh, that's all awesome. And by the way, the ones that Patrick and I were able to do together, uh, there are video versions of those also up at youtube.com slash Scott Johnson if you are so inclined to want to watch that. Yes, you should absolutely absolutely go check them out if you want to see our faces basically decompose of boredom in some of those uh, conferences. That was that was. I mean, it's always a blast, as you said, to do it together, and uh, it's a tradition now. Third time uh, we're doing this joint task force of uh, Boop and Pixels. So for those who don't know, uh, for E three for the past three years, um, we've commented on the conferences live with um, uh, well in the, this year. Brian and John joined us for most of the conferences. They were here, here and there in the previous years. And mm -hmm. um, we're having a lot of fun doing that. You can go uh, listen to the previous episodes on the feed for Pixels. I don't know if you put them up on, on the Boop Show. Did you? 
the I audio. Have. So the only one I didn't do is the PC gaming one because okay. I haven't decided whether I want to do that or not. <laughs> you probably um, don't want to. Yeah, it was real. I may have to do a disclaimer. Maybe I'll still put it there. Yeah. But yes, all the other ones, I always put audio up. Uh, this year we did video and who knows what next year will be. But yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a complete blast. And if you guys haven't checked out all that content, it's all there waiting for you. Yeah. And it's uh, it's basically next year we're going to do it in VR. You'll be able yeah. to see us uh, drool in anticipation or boredom. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, we're, what we're doing for this episode, however, is go over each conference uh, that we've seen. It's mo- all, most of the major ones. I think only Devolver we didn't really get into because they do specific type of things. Um, and we're going to go over each of them and tell you what we thought, what how we understand what has been announced, uh, what we think it means going forward. And uh, we're not going to be doing it in chronological order because some of them really don't. I mean, it's better to uh, to get the save the the exciting stuff for the latter part, part of the show. Um, I think the way I, I was thinking of structuring it is really go over EA and PC gaming very quickly because there wasn't a huge amount of things to be discussed on those uh, on those shows. So maybe let's start with EA. Yeah, let's do that. They were first. May as well do them first. Yeah. Like. As chronological as possible with the bad stuff first. So yeah. <laughs> EA, I, I feel bad calling them bad, but really the... Um, it was the caricature of EA. Would like it felt super script, scripted. It was like community marketing enthusiasm, and uh, the production wasn't great. It, it, they were showing Frostbite, their uh, game engine, their graphics engine everywhere. They were using it for everything, and it looks really good. Um, but overall, it the, the, there was this part. It's always the case with EA, but the part with sports, and there was this men in blazers bit which i didn't like maybe it's a thing that speaks to americans but it didn't doesn't speak to, to us no we don't care about that okay. i don't know why they made such a big deal out of that that was weird um but so yeah i think we're not going to be able to go over every game that was announced everywhere um so let's just take for each uh, conference a couple of things that were exciting that or of note um each i let's let's do it like that i'll leave uh the the one of them to you i'll talk about uh you know there isn't much to talk about uh need for speed payback felt like the fast and the furious uh i actually called it three fast four furious <laughs> do you know why because three why? is lead for e and four is no it's the opposite what you e- flipped a- it around oh yeah and and four is is lead for a so it means ea three four Fast and, okay, it's dumb. Yeah, Sorry. no, we've all we're getting old, is what you're saying. Yeah, That's what's exactly. happening here. Um, so no, I, I'll fine. say this about I'll say this about Need for Speed real quick because it was maybe the one I was most interested in. Um, oh, I really? want to hear your thoughts on Battlefront too because that looked great, but I have some questions. But for me, Need for Speed, surprisingly, I came out of that EA conference wanting that game more than anything else I'd seen at their conference, and I'm not exactly sure why. Except I've got a long history with that game. I've liked many iterations of it. It's been spotty, but there have been times where they've just made incredible racing games. And that heist mode mission thing looked like my kind of deal. That looked like something I would want to do and do a lot of. So so personally, um, I, I hope it's cheesy. I hope it's over the top. I hope the acting that I heard is just as bad throughout because that makes it more fun for me. Um, I want that to be an over the top Fast and the Furious style thing 
where um, I'm stealing cars and, you know, causing mayhem and trying to outrun cops. Like that's very, very, very much up my alley when it comes to what I want out of a racing game. So big surprise for me out of their conference was I care about Need for Speed again. Yeah, it's I think it was a little bit more. It seemed a little bit more cinematic and narrative than the previous one, which was like the super uh, decked out neon uh, drift cars game, which it felt more forced. You know, the one from two years ago. I can't remember the name. Sure. Um, It was uh, I bought that one and was very disappointed in it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, it it was it was okay. It was okay. Um, Yeah. There was Battlefront 2, of course, uh, which, uh, which showed only, uh, almost nothing of the single-player campaign, which I think is not a great sign. I think it might be a three-hour thing, um, possibly, but, you know, it's still a big multiplayer uh, game. And the multiplayer is bigger, you know, better, badder, you know, as in badass. Um, <laughs> there was a Game Changers bit, which... If if this taught us anything is don't put influencers in front of cameras. Although, you know, I was talking about this this part with uh, some French friends uh, yesterday and they were telling me we don't know these guys, but they have like two million followers and they're going to get super the, their followers are going to get super excited about the fact that they were there. So maybe it's as you said, we're getting old, uh, but holy crap, that games look looks good. It, it looks, looks really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I I liked the first one for how it looked and what it was bringing to the table in terms of Star Wars hype. And, you know, it had come out uh, at the same time as Episode 7. So there's just Star Wars everywhere, and that's all anybody could think about. But at the end of the day, the game was a little half-baked. It was a little low on content. Um, all the guns sort of felt the same. It was like a weird arcade game almost. It was It was just not a lot there for $59. And it was a multiplayer-only game. So you think this one will be more? I think it will be fifty nine bucks still, but I think no, this I mean game better. Oh yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Um, from what I could gather, and again, we're only basing this on what we saw on screen, but it looks like the guns are more varied, that they have their more unique use cases. Uh, that's important for how a shooter feels. And um, I thought that the the single player elements that we did see looked really compelling. I, again, they didn't show a lot of it, so that either means they're not done or. They want to hold that stuff, or maybe it means it's short, like you suggested. If that's a five or six hour kind of Call of Duty style campaign uh, length, then then I'll be very happy. That would be fine with me. And that will hinge. My entire buying of that game hinges on whether or not that single player is any good. Mm. If that's no good, I'm not paying 60 bucks for a multiplayer Star Wars shooter. I just won't do it. Yeah, I think you won't be the only one for whom that's the case. Um, yeah, the, the 30 minutes demo they showed was a little bit wonky. It felt like something they should have done after the conference ended. Um, I think for these types of conferences, it has to be either pre-recorded or super tight. Like they know how to script their speeches. They should, you know, they should have scripted their gameplay session just as much. And mm-hmm. it felt a bit weird. Um, but they did announce that it's going to have tons and tons of free content after the game is released. Actually, they said all post post launch content is going to be free. So yeah. that was a little bit of a surprise, but good. Yeah, on they did say, I mean, I think it left them a window open. If things go really well for them, it doesn't preclude them or mm-hmm. preclude them from having paid DLC down the road. But it's nice to hear that a lot of that stuff will just come to paying customers. I think that's good. 
And then they, they also announced something I want to mention, which is the seed division, uh, basically the search for extraordinary experiences division, which, okay. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> you, good you that they're it said during the show that it sounded like an acronym. They, they, they had to find words to match as well. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. And I, it sounds like an acronym that a, uh, bad guys organization would be using in a video game. So maybe yeah. it's appropriate, but, um, sure. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of, you know, sports stuff and, um, and, oh, a way out. We didn't mention it, a way out. That was actually really interesting. Um, oh, yeah. Um, that did look great. I, I, that came, maybe that was the bigger, uh, of the things they showed, perhaps the most surprising looking thing or the one that seemed like, oh, okay, now we're into some new looking things. This isn't yeah. just sports games and shooter sequels. There's something special here, maybe. So for those who don't know, it's a it's a co-op game that you have to play co-op and that is split screen. And you're always seeing what the other person is doing. Sometimes it takes up more or less of the screen, but you have to actually be playing with someone. You can play online or couch uh, co-op, but you have to play with someone. And the really def- defining thing here is that you see what they're um what they're what they're doing you have the same screen and you're seeing both characters and their interactions um it's done by the developer that made uh, brothers a tale of two sons which uh it's uh what is it hazelight studio um, that's your name yeah it's incredible yeah. by the way brothers is a really great game we talked about it a bunch on that particular piece of content but I cannot understate how much that thing stuck with me after I played it. It was a relatively short single-player experience, but I loved that. And the idea that they're bringing some of that to bear here in a, what looks like a much more advanced engine, a much more narrative experience with voice acting, and, yeah. and graphically things look a lot better. It just, I'm very, very excited about what this game is. I mean, they're an independent developer. This will probably show up, well, certainly it'll show up on Origin, uh, maybe even Steam, but uh, yeah, it's the, I, whatever they're doing there looks real good to me. I'm excited. Yeah, it was interesting for sure. Um, mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about Anthem because I think its place in the is in the Microsoft conference, so we'll talk about that there. Um, so yeah, overall, EA not incredible. Uh, no, kind of. Uh, no, I just want to say one more thing about the community stuff. When you have streamers and YouTubers on. It's fine. I understand the value in that. I understand that, that their followers are rabid and are very interested in what they do and where their faces show up. Those guys, I don't know when they got the script or if they were involved in any sort of planning, but they didn't seem to even like it was the first time they were reading teleprompters. That stuff really came off as yeah, spooky and junky. And I'm not sure I'm blaming them. I think maybe EA just poorly prepared or something. So anyway, it, that really left me feeling sour. I didn't like that at all. It did feel a little bit yeah it it wasn't well produced and um and it felt like the teleprompters weren't working sometimes or maybe they were late or they were even with the the execs of the company so yeah, yeah it happened <laughs> sorry it happens you know it's big productions something can go wrong sometime and it didn't completely crash and burn it was just a little off mm-hmm. yeah. um pc gaming uh third year the first year was unbearable the second year was mar- was somewhat improved, and yeah. so it gave me hope that um, the third year would be okay. And, you know, it's put together by PC Gamer, which is a small magazine website company. It's not like they have the, the means of all of these other giant publishers. So you, you expect that it's not going to be as big, but it was really not good. 
Yeah, it's bad. Third time was not the charm. Uh, again, I, I want to state for the record, this is not day nine slash Sean Plot's fault. He's as good a host as any. He's um, he's fine. In fact, again, he's just getting bad material. It's a bad presentation. I'd hoped that with Intel sponsoring it this year, that meant we'd see an uptick in all the things that might be good about s- such a thing. And instead, it just it was like the AMD one. It was some Intel commercials with a lot of talking about games that aren't necessarily on people's radar. I don't know. The whole thing just felt kind of empty and hollow. And yeah. it's too bad. It's unfortunate. There was the one part of it that, that stuck out is uh, Cliffy B came on and threw some shade, I think, directly at EA and the Battlefront game by saying we're not going to release our multiplayer-only shooter for $59 like some people or whatever his exact quote was. Uh, yeah, was, he basically cursed. He was like, F that or something like that. It's yeah, like that Cliffy B being edgy and being Cliffy B. It's, it's what he does, sure. Fine. Yeah, the earrings, you know, it's what you do. You're an edgy guy. I get yeah. it. And he's got jeans on and he's, you know, been around for a while. He can throw some shade, I suppose. But that was about the only point of like, oh, okay, we're getting heated up here that I felt during that entire presentation. It was all pretty... Yeah, it's. I mean, most uh, uh, publications are haven't really been following the PC gaming one yet uh, at this point, and I'm wondering if we're going to do it next year. I don't think I have it in me to do it four times in a, in a row. Yeah, um, I, they would have to really. They'd have to announce. Oh, by the way, yeah. Valve's doing Valve's doing a new PC fight. Like if it's something <laughs> that I get super into it, but yeah. I can't do it the way it is right now. No. So it was a lot of you know a lot of games. Like literally for the f- good half of it, it was footage we had seen the the day before um, in other conferences, and they were kind of explaining stuff, but not really. And I don't even think PC gamers were happy with what was being shown, but, um, there was a battle tech game. There was, uh, islands, which is like a weird exploration survival sandbox thing from, uh, Bohemia, which is the developer of Arma and Daisy and all of those. It's, it's cheap. So it seems very ambitious. Like you can almost design your own games within the game, but it's ten bucks on pre-order. So I'm like, how ambitious can it be if it's ten bucks? So, but maybe I'm giving it, you know, a, a un, a, um, unfair treatment. And there's War Groove that was presented as well, which is basically uh, Advanced War on PC. It looked nice enough. That looked um, great. I, yeah. I do want to play that pretty bad. That looked mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, and yeah, so that was that was about it. That was notable, and even that wasn't that notable. What's frustrating about it is that PC gaming is having a bit of a renaissance and has been for a few years now. And it's frustrating that that E three cannot figure out a way to properly showcase PC stuff in in the bright limelight. And maybe at the end of the day, it doesn't need to, since it's a non you know it's a non owned platform. Whereas Xbox is Microsoft, Sony or PlayStation is Sony and Switch is Nintendo. It makes sense that those guys have to put their best best visual foot forward and their best production forward at an event like this. Whereas nobody owns PC stuff. It's that's part of the power of the PC world is that we're all in it and everybody can make stuff and mods and bit 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 bit. So maybe it doesn't even need this thing, but it's just unfortunate that it was so lousy given. Yeah. What a great place the PC is right now as a platform. I don't know. Well, it, they're really, you know, they're between a rock, a hard place, and like a bath of acid. It's like any <laughs> any um, 
big game is going to be showcased at one of the uh, big games, big publisher uh, conferences. A, a smallish game, if it's good enough, then it's going to be picked up and shown as, you know, trot trotted out as, look, we do indie as well. So you're left with kind of weird in the middle thing. And, and at E3, I, I don't know, um, maybe it would be worth moving it to a different time. Maybe not in the middle of E3, but... Yeah, like um, have a focus some other time of the year. There's lots of other cool conferences. I think that's a great awesome. idea. Or just don't do it at all. If you're not going to do <laughs> well, just don't freaking do it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that it serves PC Gamer all that much. So. No. Well, certainly doesn't serve us as PC gamers, so yeah. I don't know who it's serving. It seemed like maybe Intel thought it might serve them, but I don't know how that helps them. It just came yeah. off as a commercial, and I don't know. Lame. All right, Bethesda uh, had a pretty... We're getting into the cool stuff now. Um, they had a really weird, fun uh, way of putting it together. And by the way, I think the way of presenting things that Sony introduced last year at E3 and at their PlayStation experience, which is basically minimize the amount of time people are talking on stage and show game videos from your games nonstop has permeated into the entirety of the industry, except for EA. They didn't get the memo. They were like, oh, what? They, we woke up yesterday. We have to put up a, put a thing together. What's happening? Yeah, um, Nintendo, isn't that crazy? EA went the total, like it's 10 years ago for them is yeah. how that felt. Everybody else did the Sony thing this year. Even Microsoft to a point, they were a little more stagey. But, a bit, um, yeah. but yeah, like that's the new thing i think i think they're like um, they're like apple and tech conferences they kind of did a thing and now everybody's like well we'll do that too and even nintendo stuff they've been doing direct for longer than this format but it's kind of that same thing uh, i'm fine with it 100 fine with it i like it yeah i think it's it's a, a different you know it's kind of a leap to do a nintendo direct type thing which the sony uh shows kind of were last year but on stage because it, yeah. it you know it's kind of a weird disconnect that you're not going to use the stage if you have it um right. but so bethesda kind of did the same thing here uh, framed in the context of that bethesda land which was actually a theme park with different sections that represented the different games and what we didn't realize when we were watching it is that the booth not the booth but like the the stage and the surroundings of the stage were actually <laughs> bethesda land like they had uh like a, a fair type of animations and stands and booths and stuff like that so which was kind of weird and fun um but yeah there were a few uh interesting things in the beginning uh push in vr they announced and showed doom vr and fallout 4 vr i'm not sure if it's vive only but they showed it with the vive um a few other things skyrim on switch which is not the special edition it's like six year old six years old uh skyrim which It's on Switch, but and it has some Link character and stuff like that. Yeah, and you can take well, it's Link armor, but you can also take out you can take off the controllers and do motion control for weapons and who's going to do that? Nobody is, but it's that's the one difference. Like, it, yeah. honestly, it's straight up Skyrim again. They're going to put Skyrim yeah. on everything before we all die. One thing about the Doom one is it's the so these Fallout VR. 4VR and Doom VR. Doom VR is actually called Doom VR FR, which I assume is virtual Very reality. Virtual, yeah, virtual F reality. Yeah, or effing or something. It's got to be like yeah, I think it's so. Be like them being funny. But I had a question that no one's been able to answer for me. Are all of those 
VRifications of those games. That's not to existing games. So these are new standalone products that I need to buy. I think so, yeah. See, I don't like that with the with the Fallout 4 VR thing when they first talked about it. Oh, very, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But. I don't know either, and I need to know. I feel like they didn't ever get that question answered mm. very well. Maybe it's been posted somewhere since, but I haven't yeah, seen it. It, will. It, it. it probably has been answered. We just, you know, we're still in the middle of the entire thing, so we don't um, know for sure. Um, but the, the, it, it looked interesting because it did look like they were, they have been working on um the motion and right amount of movement for you and for the enemies and uh especially in doom it's like almost not really a rail shooter but you're moving around and enemies are here and there and you have to shoot them which is what you do in doom but it's weird because in doom the uh reboot from last year movement is so fast um and, and but you know i was intrigued i was I think they're starting to get into uh, a mode where they understand what they can and can't do with VR. So I think this was um, a positive overall. No, I totally agree. I just don't want to pay fifty nine dollars <laughs> for each of those games. Oh, again. they won't. I don't think they will be fifty nine. I, I really don't think so. <laughs> you don't. You think? What do you think they'll end up like? Twenty nine, something like 29, that. Twenty nine, thirty nine, maybe something like that. Yeah. But, See, and I uh, so asking a lot for people who spent premium money on both those games at launch to go yeah. out and get new versions of them. Maybe I they know. will give it away to people who have you know bought all the DLC and stuff like that. But, oh, maybe they did that with the enhanced edition of Skyrim. So exactly, maybe, maybe they would. That's a good point. Um, they also announced that they are going to be um, selling f- uh, uh, mod content with the what's it called uh, Creation Club. For yep. Skyrim and Fallout 4, so there was the big kerfuffle, what was it, two years ago or last year, with that yeah. thing, and they're, and they're going to be doing it. And they didn't, you know, it, it, no one complained <laughs> this time. No. So uh, I think it's fine. I'm, I'm it's totally it. fine, and it's consoles as well, so, you know, it's in, more inclusive, um, not just PCs yep. and stuff. So, yeah, it, the fact that they keep supporting that stuff is great. I mean, Skyrim, as much as we joke about them just shoving it on new platforms now, weirdly... Uh, for a game that came out in 2011, that sure that thing sure had long life. Like, just doesn't seem to age, doesn't seem to get old. Um, it's considered by many to be one of the greatest games ever well, made. It's get, it, it is getting know. old. I, it's get, okay, yes, it is getting old. However, <laughs> games usually don't hold up that long. You know, yeah. like especially in a modern sense, they 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 don't have the staying power. And Part of the reason that game has is it's an exceptionally vibrant mod community. So it's nice to see, I guess, them support that, even though Steam sort of already did. I, I don't know. There's still some controversy there, but yeah. it's good. Um, what else? What else? Uh, I, I wanted to say something about this, but I guess I'm not going to oh. because I forgot. Um El- Elder Scrolls led uh, by the way Elder Scrolls the game the 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 online game ESO um they, I don't there's not much to say about it except they talked about Morrowind and it doing well and blah 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 and that's great uh, 10 million players have been playing it blah 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 that's all wonderful I just wanted to put in this small note that I have been playing that game uh before Morrowind and now currently and I'm totally hooked on it I don't know what's happening but there's some special sauce in that game now I don't know when it happened or what happened but ESO quality product Hell of an MMO, real good. So there's that. Uh, there's an expansion for Dishonored 2. There's a promo for Quake Champions. It's like they made it look super duper esports. Uh, almost everyone had their 
we're doing esports moment, and that was it for them. It's it makes sense. Um, the Evil Within Two. Now we're getting to the good stuff. The Evil Within Two uh, was uh, announced for uh, October 13, 2017. and I didn't play Evil Within One, but that looked freaking weird. Yeah, and real freaking scared. scary. I want to get rebirthed in a vat of milk or whatever that is. <laughs> I, like there's some weird stuff, weird visuals in there. I didn't play the first one either. I get these confused, honestly. There's a there's a series yeah, there's of a couple survival of them, horror yeah. games where I'm just like, which one's that one? Is it Until yeah. Dawn or which one? What? Yeah, it gets real confusing, but it did look real nice and yeah. pretty scary. And I'm I don't like scary games, so whether I'll play it or not depends on whether someone you know. That's that's kind of my my issue with it. I'm not I'm a wuss. That's my problem. Yeah. I, I did. I did really like uh, what I, I entitled Wolfenstein Super Nazi Steampunk Apocalypse America. I think that's an appropriate. <laughs> I like your title. It's better than it's better than Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, honestly. which is the actual title. Uh, coming out October twenty seven. By the way, uh, everything they talked about is coming out this year. Like it, it was the formula for last year. It's we're announcing it. It's coming out. Uh, and that was the, so they are probably working on a bunch of stuff for 2018. But we're, we're you know everything they talked about is available soon. And that means no Todd Howard this year uh, at yeah, all. Which was a bit sad. Out, it is a little sad. You always like to see the face of the company. In my my opinion, he is more than Pete Hines. But but Todd Howard coming out and talking about whatever their next IP is that supposedly him and his team are working on got none of that. Um, but I do think it's in keeping with what you just said. I think Bethesda likes this conference to be a thing where it, this year is the focus. And that's a pretty strong year. Like there's quality additional content coming out for already successful games. Uh, Skyrim on Switch, which is, you know, at least a Switch thing. And then this Wolfenstein game looks amazing. It does. Uh, it I'm really, really does. I cannot wait to play that thing. It looks funny. It looks uh, crazy. Uh, it looks like maybe they've taken some of what they learned from Doom and put it in that world in terms of its speed and combat. I've, everything about it looks great. I'm, I'm, that's, that's on my top three probably games I'm most looking forward to this year. And it looked really good. It looked good. And, and you know, there were... It, it felt like... I don't know if... I played a little bit of Wolfenstein, the, the, the one, the reboot, Um and it, I, I enjoyed it, but it's another one of those things where you have a million things going on at the same time. Uh, sure. But this one seemed like it was a little bit more rounded. And for those who haven't seen it, it's basically, as we said, you know, Nazis have won the war and they're in America. And it's been done a million times, but the way they've done this one felt extra compelling. You know, there was this weird... Uh, uh, Heidi on the in the prairie walking around, and then she was calling a lassie kind of dog, like super American from the sixties, seventies. But the dog was a weird demon robot dog that was breathing fire. And there were people walking in the street and going like, "Don't forget your German lesson." And the the Ku Klux Klan people walking around shaking hands, and it was. And then th there was some. Uh, narrative portions of it and at uh, towards the end you had like this the 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 i think it's the the wife or girlfriend of the hero who's like pregnant but like pregnant pregnant um yeah. and she's going on a mission with another person at one point because they have to and and she's like she's a 
badass. She like stabs a Nazi 15 times in the chest. And yeah. and then there was this other portion, like the, in the same scene, a guy before going into the, 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 the action moment drops acid and he's seeing like this weird cartoony uh, uh, rainbow chameleon. And <laughs> there was like, it was charming, beautiful, enthusiastic. Like it was, uh, uh, and of Edgy. course, you know, actiony and yeah, great, game. bloody, I mean, gory. Great it looks, it looks great. It's, it's yeah. what I want out of Wolfenstein. It was always such a stupid idea in the first place that you can only go this way. I mean, let us not forget in the very first Castle Wolfenstein game back in 1991 or whatever it was, you, uh, the final boss was Mecha Hitler. It was Hitler with big. <laughs> Gatling guns implanted in himself and him that and Gurry, whoever had this idea to make him a half robot. And, you know, that's what you want. And that's, I think, what we're getting. But a lot more story and yeah. some really great acting. Like, it really left an impression on me. So it, it uh, feels surprise, that one. Yeah, it feels like the tendency that we have in some developers that they're growing up and they're making games that are respectful of the original material but not, you know, dumb. Like, they're, they're not doing it identical to the point that it's a little bit silly, which I mm-hmm. think Microsoft could learn something from on their first-party developers. But um, I agree 100%. And I wish... Well, yeah, we'll yeah, talk let, about we'll, it. We'll talk about it. Um, let's go over to Ubisoft, which uh, had a super strong showing. Um, They also had a kind of a, we're just going to show you and not talk too much about it. They talked a little bit, um, but there were a number of interesting things. Uh, The first surprise was Miyamoto coming on stage to show the thing that was um, leaked, you know, a million times, Mario plus uh, Raving Rabbids. Mm -hmm. And it was... It was surprising. It's basically, I mean, there was a super emotional moment where Miyamoto was praising the creator of the game. I'm sorry, I don't have his name, but it was like he was on the, he was almost crying. The, the, oh, the, imagine how that must feel when the lord of all video games is up there complimenting you from a stage. Yeah. St- still acting like he's the most excited kid in the room, yet he's, you know, 60-something-year-old yeah. Miyamoto. It's amazing. That was a great moment, actually. That entire conference, what a turnaround from last year. I loved this this format. I thought everything about that conference was great. But it was, uh, yeah. It, it was emotional. And we, of course, you know, we have to mention the, the context of uh, Vivendi trying to inching closer and closer towards a hostel takeover of Ubisoft. And it it is, you know, it feels like you know those giant snakes that eat their prey slowly and that they're swallowing it and it's inexorable? Yeah. That's what's yeah. happening to Ubisoft. And we don't know if they're going to be able to get away from it. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a weird mood to that, to that, to everything they're doing. Um, but yeah, so the Raving Rabbids, uh, unexpectedly, is basically XCOM. For yeah. for everyone, that yeah, was surprising. I, I am so so excited about that game. I cannot wait to get that on the Switch. I think that's a brilliant platform for it. I think the crossover is really funny. I think that the gameplay is one of my it's one of my favorite kinds of things. I love turn based tactical gameplay. It's like they're giving me a gift here, and I'm mm. super jazzed to play that game. I can't wait. Yeah, it's it it looks really good. I'm not into these kinds of games, but I you know I was intrigued. Yeah. Um, 
They also showed Assassin's Creed, which I think we can talk about here. Um, mm. It was showed at the Microsoft conference as well, but it's so it's of course uh, Assassin's Creed's origins. It has uh, Egypt and uh, lots of free roaming open world, even more open than obviously you know it's Egypt. So you're it's it's very f- spread. You don't have like one big city. It's a lot of smaller structures that you go to and. Um, it feels like I might have been expecting or wanting too much from the next Assassin's Creed game, given that they skipped a year. It definitely feels like they've skipped a year, but it doesn't feel like they have enhanced it to the point that I would be excited about Assassin's Creed if I hadn't been before, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, the year off helped. Right. Like them going back and saying, all right, we're going to work real hard on what's yeah. next. Uh, Syndicate was awesome. I think Syndicate redeemed a lot of problems that we had with the French one. <laughs> I liked, uh, you know, Unity. I really liked it. I fin- it's the only one I finished. So, oh, wow. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. No, like I really one- liked it. I thought it was it was, you know, it, it's it is what it is. It's Assassin's Creed. But um, right. But I like a lot it. of people gave that one heat for uh, well, well it was buggy t- at first, but I played yeah. it a couple of months after it came out. So, but I I am uh, I I count myself as an Assassin's Creed fan, and I'm also a enormous nerd and fan of anything historical ancient Egypt. I freaking love that whole setting, the deserts, the pyramids, the just the the gods and the everything. The, the mythology of that period is amazing to me, and I watch anything that features any of that stuff. So. Total no-brainer for me um, to play this version of the game. And it looks great. Uh, they're talking about gameplay advancements that, seem, that make it seem different enough to make it so it's not just another Assassin's Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed game. The bird mechanic is really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. you mean the ancient uh, biological drone? Yeah, that's the one. The biodrome <laughs> uh, that's made out of feathers and meat. Right. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I love everything about the setting and I love their energy. And I think that guy, the show the game runner is I've never seen a more sincere presentation from anyone. seems really interested in making this count. Uh, so yeah, I'm a thousand percent behind a new Assassin's Creed. I'm very, very much looking forward to playing it. Uh, the crew two has like boats and planes and all sorts of weird stuff. The fractured butthole. Stop me when you want to say something. Um, no, I'm, I'm just glad you said fractured butthole and then paused and then said something to me because it sounded <laughs> like you, out of context. That was a really weird thing to hear you say, but go ahead. October 17, the uh, fractured butthole will be available, will be there, will be fractured. Um, yeah, fractured, but it'll be whole. It'll uh, be fine. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> transference is a weird VR something, I think, with Elijah Wood with a lot of FMV. It, it, it's coming spring 2018. I'm mentioning it because it's VR and we didn't get a lot of VR, but we did get some. So, I mean, I think it's VR. It's It was weird. It, um, I think it's VR. I made no sense to me. I'm still not entirely sure what the hell I was looking at there. I don't know what that is. Half horror, half super meta with Elijah Wood saying he works at Ubisoft and that they are, you know, they found out something about... It's like, I don't know. It was weird, but intriguing. Very odd. Uh, I, I I mean, I am intrigued. I don't yeah. know that I'm 
pre-order intrigue no, that I yeah. want to see what's up. We d- no one knows what it is. Yeah. Um, Skull and Bones is a pirate game, which is basically the, an expansion, a, an entire game uh, expanded from uh, the ship-to-ship combat in uh, naval combat in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. That's yeah. what it felt like. Um, yeah. There's a also, number I, of pirate. No, get to this in the Microsoft conference. I just want to make the statement here. This is the best pirate game currently on display at E3. Not it, that other one. That's what I was going to say. You know, there are a lot of pirate games. Uh, apparently, it's a thing now. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently, another thing is to make a pirate game and not be able to explain what you actually do in that game. Uh, we're talking mm-hmm. about Sea of Thieves, of course. Um, but this one, actually, I mean, it's not for me. But it felt like you know what you're going to do and there's some PvP elements and you're like controlling the ship and there's some naval maneuvers. And like if if you're into this kind of thing, it's going to be your jam. Uh, well, coming I, out full I love 2018. Huh? Yeah. The, the black fat flag. Ooh, almost slipped the tongue <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, Don't forget the yeah, L. That game is, um, is, is one of my favorites in the Assassin's Creed series. I loved it. And part of what I loved is I thought that stuff was handled really well. It, you didn't feel like you had to be but some you, kind of genius to do that naval combat. And but do you want to get, play a full game out of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, heck okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially if it's focused. I mean, this is why I liked it. There was a focus to this. Yeah. It's naval combat, straight up, let's go. Um, there's strategy to that. There's teamwork in that. There's all kinds of things you could come up with to make that compelling. Whereas the thing Rare's working on, I don't know what that one, what the focus of that was, and and I think the lack of focus is what made me not like that, mm-hmm. uh, at least at this stage. So anyway, yeah, the focus is good. Pirates are cool. Blowing stuff up is even cooler, and the graphics are great. Like, yeah, I'm all in on that. Whatever that is, and it did up. look, it it did feel like the, very kinetic. The impacts were terrible. You felt like you were at sea, kind of doing it, and yeah. So yeah, that it was a, a good thing for what it was. Yep. Um, South Park uh, phone game. They there's no reason they shouldn't uh, <laughs> keep pulling that thread if they can make money out of it. Um, that's a weird one that came out of nowhere or maybe left field, as the expression goes. Um, Starlink Battle for Atlas, which is a, a cross-platform game, uh, Switch included, which is basically a toys to life thing where you have kind of lego ships that you attach to your controller and it's a massive universe that you can explore and there's ship to ship combat and at the same time you know it feels like the the little bit we've seen of feels like uh uh, 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 you know no man's sky with again focus and something that you can actually do in the game and at the same time it feels like Ubisoft didn't get the memo that Toys to Life aren't really, you know, a thing anymore. But maybe this can be successful because it's different enough and still... I don't know what to think of that game, but it it looked interesting. Yeah, it's not... I mean, <laughs> Nintendo defies this because the ami- the Amiibo stuff is, as collectibles, are extremely popular. Very hard to get the rare ones. Like, it's a big, it's a big re- uh, uh, moneymaker for them, as opposed to Disney Infinity and to some extent, uh, Skylanders, but I am not, and I repeat, not going to put assembled (laughs) ship things on my controllers. I'm not doing it. It's weird. It's not going to work for me. I understand the thinking. You don't have to have a base. 
There's not just an NFC chip hidden underneath the thing like you do with the Switch or whatever. It's like attached and it's kind of cool if I was 13 or something. But I, I use no way. I want to play a ship to ship combat space game with exploration and check out the Atlas system. And that all sounds great. But I don't want to do it with a toy hanging off my controller. We don't know how much the toy is necessary. It might be that it's not absolutely necessary, but it didn't I, look like that. Maybe. I mean, I, I, the problem with Toys to Life is, I don't know, it's got like one trick. And that trick is, when you put the deal here, something happens. Ooh. <laughs> and then once you realize that, like I had a friend, and this isn't exactly legal, but I have a friend that came over to the house and he had a handful of what looked like a ton of miniature poker chips is what I thought they were. It's tiny little red wafers. They look like tiny poker chips. And I said, what the heck are those? He goes, these are all the Amiibos. Uh, and I said, I said, what? And he goes, yeah, you just buy these empty NFC chips and you things, earn yeah. your own. And so yeah, he doesn't have a single Amiibo. He's just got all these chips. It's like seeing how the sausage is made kind of. And you're just like, yeah, that's all <laughs> these are. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I still like the figures. I've got some right here, but, but I, I don't think that, I mean, yeah, getting into this is, it seems a little late, first of all. And second of all, expecting people to hang a toy on your controller is a lot to ask. So um, a steep expansion called Road to the Olympics is going to be uh, doing Olympic stuff. It feels like they got a deal with the Olympics and they wanted to find a place for it. And Steep was there and it's still being played, contrary to what many people might think. There's a community there that likes it. And so they were like, all right, we'll put it there. And it's probably a good place for that specific thing. Um, and then the two biggest things I thought... Uh, Far Cry 5, wow. That yeah. looked good. Yeah, that looks really good. I mean, I don't know what it is. They're, they're, we may get in there and go, oh, this is like all the Far Cry games, and I don't want to grind out my ammo pouch for the next three hours. You know, like it, may be, it may be the things that, about Far Cry that I don't like. I don't know. But from what they're showing so far, very compelled. The team play aspect both the cooperative and the and the NPC aspects of a sniper up here and you're on the ground and that's just all very cool. Like they're they're going to have to really blow it to disappoint me because right now I I'm, I'm pretty hyped on that game. And the setting, I mean we've talked about it before, but that Montana setting with the it feels like there's some emotional uh strings to be tugged uh mm-hmm. And at the same time, the the Far Cry, I don't know, it felt more visceral and it was super violent and it draw you in. It drew you in, I think, more than the other Far Cry, the previous Far Cry games did. It felt like maybe that's not going to be the case, but the previous Far Cries had great cinematic moments that felt like they were sandwiched between regular go get the the camp. What's the name of the things, you know, the the base. Um, Right. And keep doing that. Here, yeah. it felt like it was a more integral part of the story and the experience. Like the 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 journey the character is taking felt like it was weaved into the action as well. So yeah, I don't know. It's, we'll a, it's, it's either like uh, I mean, if it ends up being just climb the tower, explore the new areas, go rob yeah. out those missions, do the same thing over again, I will not be thrilled. But if this story is nice and focused, uh. It's it's a very that's a very ripe storyline to play with. I think, you know, it, it feels like a more personal story this time around, unless I'm a nameless, faceless guy running in the wilderness in a land I don't know. Like the previous games are so fish out of water 
this was this one's like fish in the water, but the water's gone bad. And I, and I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think it's an appropriate description. Sure. Um, and finally, Beyond Good and Evil Two CG trailer um, was shown, and that was mind blowing. I mean, yeah. it was it CG trailers often i was going to say always but you know if you put enough money and expertise into it it's going to look good no matter what but the artistic vision of that thing was i i never played beyond good and evil one so that for me it was very fresh and it was like there are a few moments you know in culture a few moments a year if you're lucky when you're like i've never seen anything like this before it just mm -hmm. feels different and weird and wonderful. And this mm -hmm. was that for me to an extent that I, I did not expect. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll say a few other things about it, but yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the, I don't know how to put this. The, this is a game that's been in development hell for a long time. Famously, it's one of those games. And um, the original outing was what PS2 and GameCube, I think. Um, and they've, you know, been back and forth on, oh yeah, it's coming out, it's coming out. And every year there's rumors, oh, beyond good and evil too, that we're totally going to get announced. And then it doesn't happen. And then one year, like five years ago or something, they showed a trailer, like a teaser for it. And it was another CGI thing, but it was a lot less involved in this one. Um, but it was enough to everybody all freak out again. Oh, they're working on it. They're working on it. And then silence, nothing like zip. <laughs> and then they came out with this one. And after the trailer, which was very impressive, like Patrick says, and much more involved, again, a CG trailer, so, you know, no gameplay or anything, but out comes the two people running the project, and they acted like they were receiving a Tony Award or something. <laughs> and I kept going, well, wait a minute, you guys are being, what are, you, what are we congratulating you on yet? Because all you've done is the same thing you did five years ago so far, which is show a trailer. There's no game yet. So I'm a little worried that this is much ado about nothing or, or, you know, this could just be another Duke Nukem problem or I don't know, but I would really like to have seen some progress in an actual game. And that would have been enough for me to, you know, be more excited than I am. But right now I'm like, awesome trailer, huge potential. Where's your game? You yeah, know? I, I definitely agree. And there was this, weird like join the space monkey program we need your help and i was like wait so you're kickstarting this what is <laughs> what is happening now like what do you need our help for is this beta testing or and yeah. it wasn't clear and i think or maybe i want to believe that they are it was so emotional maybe for a couple of seconds uh, a couple of reasons uh, one might be that they're actually ready to present it soonish uh in which case it's weird that they didn't show any gameplay at all, but okay. And the other thing is the looming Vivendi uh, might threaten the whole project. So maybe they oh. wanted to show it to make it a strategic um, you know, push to maybe get the trust of their invest, you know, their uh, stake shareholders or maybe push the price of the action uh, of the, sorry, of the st uh, uh, stock higher to make it more expensive for Vivendi to keep buying it. Um, I don't know. There was, there, there must have been something we didn't know under all of it. Um, but they yeah. definitely felt they were, they were so hands on deck for this presentation. It mm. just felt like everybody's firing on all cylinders that Ubisoft is in a really great place creatively. 
And I had that impression through the entire thing. And to know this Vivendi thing is looming over them like this is a bummer, man. Yeah. The best conference, probably the best conference of the entire E3. And it, and it, and the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, but you guys are all about to possibly get screwed here. Like, well, yeah. I mean, it's not uh, Vivendi doesn't have a history of nurturing of nurturing their you know creative and artistic talent. So it is that's why everyone's freaking out. But that you know the people at Vivendi uh, at Vivendi were like, well, you know, you should, maybe you should stop crying. You're this is what happens when you go public. That's yeah. the game you're playing, and we're trying to. We might be trying to buy you. They're not, you know, officially saying it, but right. might be trying to buy you. But that's that's how the system works. So, yeah. and but yeah, still. I mean, anyway, beyond good and evil, too, it got me stoked, and I might forget about it because they don't speak again uh, about it again for three years. But that vision was enthusiastic for me. Totally agree. Looked really good. Um, and now we get to Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo. Um, first, Microsoft, though, the announcement, the official announcement and unveiling of the uh, X, X, Xbox One X, Extreme X, um, <laughs> six teraflops, of, uh, true 4K. Uh, they were really adamant that it was really 4K. Um, 4.99 released November 7. Um, and I, I think we can talk about Anthem at the same time, which is that Bioware game that is going to be releasing in 2018 because it was sort of made to be the, um, the, the show, the, the poster child for the power of the Xbox one X mm-hmm. and holy crap, did it look good? It yeah. looked really good. Like I was like, I was, I was loving it. And as I was watching it, beyond the fact that the game looks like it could be really interesting, I think it's it's really the one showing where everyone is absolutely certain that it will not run like this on PlayStation 4 Pro at all. Like, that's not how it's going to run on that. I don't know. Like, I, I, I bought into that until later on I saw some things happening in the PlayStation presentation and went, mm. I think this looks just as good as what really? i saw another thing a little bit i mean okay. i know they're different games but i i'm not uh, i'm not 100 sold on this idea that that it's so drastically better and i think what will if i'm to predict what will pan out with this thing when it's launched is you'll have teardowns and reviews and things that do like pixel pixel comparisons and resolution may be an issue but in terms of like fidelity and effects and that sort of stuff I don't know that the Xbox One X is going to completely trounce the PlayStation 4 and you certainly mean even even from a hardware perspective or maybe the implementation of the software on that because from a hardware perspective there's no question it is more powerful like significantly oh, yeah, no. more powerful. Yeah, this this the specifications are definitely there there's no question but we're right. also at a point of diminishing returns so it's easier to sort of get away with less. Uh, PCs will always we'll keep the PC conversation out of it because they'll always have a leg up because there's always some new card or whatever. Um, so that that I don't I'm not going to count here. But in the case of Sony, uh, they the stuff they were showing fidelity wise was blowing my mind as much as what I was seeing from that Bioware game. Now the Bioware game was doing things that were volumetric and insanely incredible amounts of depth and things. Things that maybe will look better on that device. But here's my worry. It's a multi-platform game. They're going to base their 
they're going to base their code base on the the machine that's selling the most copies of their game. And in other words, optimization always happens for the lead platform. In this case, it'll be a Sony platform, and they may tweak it and uptick it, or just pure 4K resolution will be enough to set it over the top. Maybe it's a few extra frames per second. I don't know. The Xbox will certainly have its advantage. But here we have, again, a third-party game that looks insane, that will be everywhere, and is not necessarily enough to compel people to spend $500 on a new console. I think you're touching on the uh, the issue of that conference as a whole, which was a good conference. Um, but what what bothered me was there was a couple of things. Um, you know what? Let's talk about the games first, and then we can get into yeah, what we yeah. thought. Um, Metro Exodus, a new uh, episode of Metro, which looked really good as well, kind of creepy uh, as Metro usually is. Um, they, uh, they actually led with that, right? That was the first game yeah. out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins looked okay. It looked good. It didn't look as mind blowing as Anthem or Metro. Uh, PUBG is coming to Xbox. Uh, Player Unknown's uh, Battlegrounds, which I'm not sure it's for the console world, but maybe. Um, There's money to be made. It, it will be a it will be a big enough hit that they'll make more money. It's it, it'll do fine. Mm. It won't. It's not. It, I don't know that it's a conference worthy thing outside of saying, hey, we're also still really into these more independent developers. Oh, it's so but, hot right now, PUBG. Yeah, that. it's huge on PC. That thing's a monster. You you were really impressed by uh, State of Decay too. Yeah. So coming twi- part of the reason I'm in, part of the reason I'm impressed is I mean it looked good. It didn't look great, but it looked good visually. Um. But I State of Decay One is is underrated as a as a GTA like set in an apocalyptic setting. It's incredible how much they did with the previous State of Decay, which was originally released as a live arcade release in the summer it came out um, on Xbox 360, and, and kind of a little rough around the edges, pretty ugly. There's now an up uh, upscaled version on Steam that looks a lot better. But if you could get past the ugly bits, it is a really good. Uh, it, it's basically GTA, but in a zombie apocalypse and I know people are sick of zombies or whatever, but it was done really well. And you, you know, have cars and you're in the city and the city expands outward as you gain more ground and you have to scavenge for goods. And it really scratched an itch for me. And I am automatically excited about state of decay too. Although I'll probably end up with a PC version of that, but mm-hmm. it, it did look real good to me. Um, I played better with a mouse and keyboard is the main reason I say that. But uh, but yeah, State of Decay 2, awesome game. I'm impressed mainly because I'm looking at the pedigree, and I think that that was an unsung hero of that generation. It just it looked weird. If you don't like zombies, you weren't interested. Like it, I don't know that it ever got its due, but I thought it was great. Yeah, and we're gonna get back to the Xbox One X as like you know what it's worth, how it impacts everything. But I think it's worth going through the games that were introduced because it's intimately uh, linked. Uh, I, I didn't mention I skipped over Forza Motorsports uh, Motorsport Seven, which has a partnership with Porsche, uh, Porsche as you guys say it, um, mm-hmm. which I it, you know it looked really good as sports uh car games do um i mean forza owns the the uh car racing market it is oh, without question those yeah. guys over at sony have screwed up with what they did with gran turismo they've let yeah. it languish too long they've, they've messed that up 
And it was like a new, better, cooler looking version of, of Forza. So yeah. that was, um, Minecraft is going to be crossplay and has 4k graphics. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, a, I, I, Minecraft isn't my jam, but I mean, it's huge. So, um, sure. The Dragon Ball Fighter Z had to me the effect that State of Decay 2 had for you. It it's a very personal emotional thing I think, but I grew up on Dragon Ball and seeing the incredible graphical uh prowess that that game is showcasing was mm-hmm. my mind was exploding as we were watching it. Like it is it looked like you were playing the anime series. It's pretty it, I was impressed with what was happening there. It's like a game I'll never play, but I I I was blown away. It reminded me kind of like what South Park did and to some degree that Cuphead thing is doing uh where they where they replicate uh, a medium that is art games. style, yeah. Mm. Yeah, where it doesn't feel like you're playing video games. These aren't polygons, these aren't these aren't sprites and, and in 4K and higher resolutions this stuff is even more seamless so it's like you're playing your childhood cartoon in real time yeah, and that's exactly. that's very impressive, yeah. Um, there was also The Last Night, which is a weird pixelated post-apocalyptic Paris thing. It's a launch exclusive. There were a, we're going to talk about this again, but there were a number of launch exclusive titles for the Xbox One X, a number of Xbox One X, I'm, I'm sorry, for the Xbox One, um, a number of, uh, uh, Xbox enhanced xbox one x enhanced i can't remember what the terminology is but basically improved for the added power of the xbox one x um of course i didn't mention it but it is both consoles are compatible so any game will run on both devices um there's uh backwards compatibility with xbox games original like the og Xbox games is going to be running Xbox One games faster, better, you know, uh, uh, improved in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, I'm getting all over the place, but I keep forgetting. Well, there stuff. was a there was a lot in that thing to, yeah. to cover. Um, I mean, the the idea being, for example, if you pick up the last night, which is where we where we were, this weird pixelated thing. Uh, the idea is that you can run it on any number of the Xbox family consoles from Xbox One forward. And it will look great on, well, hopefully it looks good on an Xbox One, looks maybe a little better on an S because the S has got HDR or upscale, whatever, and even better on an X because whatever the X is doing. So Yeah, that's probably not the best game to uh, <laughs> to take as an example. Not. But yeah. I think this is going to look good on, no matter what it's on. It's yeah. not a platform exclusive. It's a launch exclusive, so you'll get it everywhere else at some point. Um, which I'm just only saying to keep illustrating the fact that I, they had very few actual exclusives which that's really the bu- issue um yeah. basically the only two exclusive they shown they were forza motorsports and crackdown 3 yeah. and that really is it um which so cuphead has a release date september 29 finally um there are a ton of pc games that are coming to the xbox uh life life is strange before the storm was showcased there but again it's a cross-platform game um shadow of war gameplay was showcased as well um ori and the will of the wisps is another one of those that blew my 
mind and that's an exclusive um but i mean in the same sense that ori and the blind forest was an exclusive but you know Ori it was a blind t- forest exclusive exclusive though right because can't you get ori on playstation now i think can you no i don't I, think so maybe you're maybe you're right well I, I guess since i get it on steam yeah that's the to, problem yeah that feels like not an exclusive but i guess in console terms it is yeah yeah, yeah it is it is an exclusive i mean yeah it's uh uh is it a first party thing no it's uh, studios, no they're so. all ex blizzard people but they made some yeah. deal with mike i think and um and so yeah th- this is th- this is another one of the of the exclusives you have um yeah crackdown 3 which i think was a little bit underwhelming i'm not a crackdown person but what did you think you 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 like the first one I like the first crackdown. I was completely underwhelmed by crackdown three. Uh, I don't think it looked very good. I think the characters were hanky janky looking. Um, I think we've gone beyond what that game brought to open world, uh, games, uh, sandbox games. I was the least impressed with that game of everything they showed, uh, considering it's their only major platform exclusive. That's not even as far as I know. coming to PC. Oh, yeah, and Forza, I forgot about that. But Forza will be on PC as well, I think, didn't they say? Well, anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, Forza will be on PC. Yeah, but Crackdown 3 should have been a huge, big, fat deal, and it just came off as, I don't know, I felt like, hey, it was 2001, everybody, get your Xbox. It just didn't feel right, and and I'm not impressed, and I wish I was. I hate saying this because I really wanted Microsoft to have the strongest possible showing this time. It's good for the industry for them to be in that place, and... And Crackdown 3 did not do it for me. So I think we're, if, if listeners haven't picked up on it yet, we're, we're kind of down on, on the Microsoft conference, um, which I think is at odds with a lot of people's reactions I've seen on, on the net. A lot of people really liked it. And it might be because we're coming at it from a different place. I I've heard a lot of people saying that they liked the Microsoft conference, that they liked it as a huge showing of lots of games that they may or may not play on their uh, Microsoft console. Probably they're going to play on PC. And the way I'm looking at it personally is I'm trying to understand if uh, th- that conference and that introduction of the Xbox One X was going to reverse the dynamic that has been installed since the launch of this generation where Sony is significantly outselling Microsoft. And Mm -hmm. basically, if it's going to challenge the domination of the PlayStation 4 in the way, uh, if you remember, that um, when the PlayStation 3 came out, it was a huge misstep for Sony and Microsoft ruled the beginning of the previous generation, but Sony sort of managed to do a comeback. And by the end, it was kind of, you know, even. They both had, in different markets, a roughly equivalent uh, market share if you made, t- took it, you know, globally. Um, sure. And I think when you look at it that way, uh, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, but of course, it's not going to inverse the dynamic. It's too uh, far gone already. So, And the Xbox One, just like the PlayStation 4 Pro, is a premium product. I think they insti- insisted on that fact um, a, a number of times. They said, you know, we're not going to sell it to everyone. The, the main product is still the Xbox One S. 
Um, and this one, you know, we, we've heard from Sony that they're selling one in five PlayStation 4s is a pro. So it's not like it's becoming the majority of the installed base. And the Xbox One S is not going to, X is not going to be anything different. It's a more powerful version, premium product for people who really want a powerful machine. Um, and so the, the disappointment I think that personally I'm feeling is that I'm seeing a, a, a showing where they focused on hardware, but they didn't get that what makes a success for a, uh, a console is the exclusives. It's the first party stuff. It's, you know, the, 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 the things that you can get there, even if it's on PC as well, but they have no first party thing. And we, we kept seeing over the past year and a half projects being canceled. Uh, and I thought maybe that's because they're working on something else that is going to be, uh, you know, setting the record straight. And it seems like that's not the case. It's just Uh-oh, business no, they, as usual. They, yeah, they cut back. I mean, they literally cut back. They cut back on not only projects, but entire divisions. They had a whole division whose job it was to make uh, interactive uh, game stuff. If you remember right, it was like some TV crossover thing. The the one game that they were going to uh, show it off was, was that Quantum Leap. No, Quantum Break. Yeah, yeah, Quantum Break. Yeah, yeah. and and now that entire division dissolved, gone, out of there. Not there anymore. They no longer have people in there. You said yesterday, you don't think Satya Nadella and the current leadership of Microsoft cares about Xbox in the way that previous leaderships have. And I followed up with this comment, and I'll stick by it. And I've since had some people chime in and say they think this is exactly right, so take it for what you want. But Microsoft's brand is not Xbox. It is a brand under the umbrella of Microsoft. More important to them these days are things like Azure, Office 365, other consumer products, their new hardware division for notebooks and laptops and computers, blah, blah, blah. That's what matters to Microsoft. Their services and hardware divisions is what matters. Xbox is a thing they do. But it's not their main thing they do for Sony, again, for good or ill, has had a reverse kind of a reverse trajectory. Their main brand and product now is PlayStation. Everything else takes a back seat. That includes their electronics, television, all that division, their their literal television and film division. All of it is backseat to PlayStation. PlayStation is the brand of Sony. So which company is throwing the most effort and backing behind their main brand? The answer is both of them are. It's just not the same. Microsoft is not that Xbox doesn't matter to them the way it does to Sony. And it really matters to Sony. So you see Sony dropping the ball on, you know, they've gotten weird with mobile and they've gotten weird with their their computer side division. Like all that stuff is languished because PlayStation's their main focus. So I, none of this is surprising to me. I'm, a, I'm just disappointed because I thought maybe Microsoft would have come out all guns blazing and instead they've really cut back on the guns there's one really cool nice shiny gun (laughs) but there's no exclusive bullets for it (laughs) you know there's no bullets i can't get someplace else and get a reasonably equivalent experience and to ask me for 500 dollars and still not have any of those exclusives i don't know where my motivation is i mean hell i barely have a motivation for a playstation 4 i've still got the my old 4 is cranking away just fine oh you're really a pro yeah pro i mean yeah. So I don't. So so I don't even think Microsoft or I don't even think Sony's made a very good argument for their version of this. It's just that where are the unique experiences at, and therefore also all my third party experiences. 
And the answer is PlayStation 4 and then secondarily a Switch. The Switch is shaping up to be that second console once again, like it does. And it's really put Microsoft in a weird place. They, it's, uh, it's a funky place for them to be, and I don't want them there. And we can fanboys can yell at me all day about this. This is just the simple economics of it, I think. I think it's I, just yeah. a, I think we're going to get yelled at for this, and I often get yelled at. There is, for some reason, a, a rabid following of Microsoft in France, um, especially in the gaming. And people get really angry when I say things like this, but they get, they got angry when you know I said it when the console cycle started, and you know that it's sometimes reality is reality. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that concept has gotten more fuzzy in the past few years uh, in the world, but in the past year, maybe. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of disheartening to see all of this happen before our eyes. And I think it's especially uh, disappointing because we, we thought, okay, now is the chance. Now's the time to do something. Uh, and they didn't catch that opportunity. Um, I think what we will agree on with the fanboys as well um, is the fact that the dynamic is not going to change. And mm-hmm. some people will say, well, of course, duh. Of course, it wasn't going to change. But I wasn't convinced. I think there was a couple of moves that they could have done. And those moves were called, you know, exclusive games that could have changed the dynamic. But they didn't. And it isn't. So... Um, I also do want to mention, we're going to move on to Sony, but I do want to mention they didn't show any VR. I think it's going to come at some point, uh, but I think they were really traumatized by the announcement from, uh, you know, the original Xbox One announcement. They, did, they didn't want to muddy the, the messaging. So they didn't mm-hmm. want to say anything else than this is about the awesome games that you're going to be able to play. Yeah, and they do. There, there was some comments later in an interview with I forgot his name. The guy was on stage. The Microsoft guy I always forget his name. I like him, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, some Spencer, Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer. He made some comments that the reason that it, there was no talk of VR, even though certainly that device is fully is is highly capable of it. You could even argue the regular Xbox One could do some things, but. He said that their focus right now is on Windows rather than on Xbox One for VR development. Um, I think what that probably means is if the demand rises for VR experiences, right now it's a little iffy when that'll happen. We're at a strange place in VR sort of time. Uh, There's no reason why they just wouldn't partner with Oculus or somebody. Yeah, of course. There's no, you know, making a specific, the way that Samsung did with with Oculus for Gear VR. It's like they'll, they'll have some sort of partnership. I don't think Microsoft wants to get, especially again, giving their their brand position here. Why would they want to throw all their guts in developing a VR solution just to play keep up? They tried this with Connect, um, which didn't really put them where they needed to be in terms of Nintendo Wii uh, competition. Sony tried with Move, didn't really do it. Like sometimes you're chasing ghosts when you do that. That's true. And I don't blame them. I think this is actually a smart way to handle it. Let's see how things yeah. pan out. Sony, Sony's got some momentum that way, but I don't know. There's I no- mean, they can they can do once the the headsets have been out, the cheaper ones which don't need the the totems, you know, the the sensor towers um, to function. They can put that on a on an Xbox One in a couple of months. So yeah. I think that's absolutely possible for them to. The entire to- VR. Listen, what you just described is when the entire VR world changes 
uh, momentum and we see it yeah. move in much more rapid pace. Right now we're kind of at a weird place. Yeah. So I don't fault them for not doing that as this at all. I think it was kind of smart even yeah. um, in this context. Uh, I, I do want to add one thing though about that conference, like as a whole, um, something I, I mentioned on Twitter as well, beyond the lack of exclusivity and the kind of disappointments that I got, you know, we both got apparently from Microsoft. And again, it's not a sentiment that is shared by everyone. One thing that I think is, is factually accurate is the fact that the, this conference and the games that were shown weren't games that made you feel much, mm. you know? It was maybe some on an artistic level, The Last Night and Ori and the Will of the Wisp were, were kind of whimsical and, and transporting, but you didn't, it, it, there weren't games that would make you feel emotions, you know? It was so much focused on... Ooh, stabby, stabby, and killy, killy, and, and explody, explody, you know? It, yeah. it, it wasn't... And some of those are great, and I love that in some of my video games, but sometimes I want to be, you know, addressed like an adult. I want to be talked to like someone who doesn't just want to stab zombies in the face or have a really big gun and shoot really big buildings. Yeah. Um, and that I no, think there was no emotional core to any of the games they showed. I yeah. well, I shouldn't say any. Some of them like had little bits and stuff, but compared to Ubisoft, Ubisoft was brimming with personality, yeah. passion, and excitement on those levels. And yeah. I also think, and I don't mean just the presentation. The games themselves were 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 showing me those emotions, and so did the Sony conference. And, and so did the, the Bethesda. Even the Evil Within 2 was kind of that. But yeah. Wolfenstein had a lot of that, you know, relatable uh, character moment things. And I understand, you know, I'm not saying every game should be like that. But it feels like a miss if your entire platform doesn't really have that at all. Um, yeah. Or, you know, you're not showing it in your conference. There was a sterility and a carefulness to it that... Yeah. that i that i sense the entire time and and again i don't even know that they're trying to do that i just think that they they're in a precarious position and if you're asking corporate monster microsoft to keep shoveling money after money into your you know what what Satya Nadella sees as a side project it's going to start to show in things like this presentation yeah. i mean it was it, it, they are in a difficult position i think it, it would have taken a ma master stroke for them to do something that would have you know as we said, reverse the dynamic. I'm not saying all of a sudden you start selling, you know, two Xbox Ones for one PlayStation 4. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is is starting to inverse the curve. And it would even that would have taken a, a, a master stroke uh, because Sony is in such a, a dominant position that I think it's in, what, Players, Gamblers, that movie with Matt Damon, um, where he says, in poker, you need to chop off someone's leg and... Then you lean on them. So you do a big thing first, and then you just lean on them. You don't need to to keep swinging your your sword. That metaphor really doesn't work in this context. But you know, <laughs> you just lean on them. So Sony doesn't have to do much. They just have to keep doing what they're doing and and apply pressure in an even manner. Um, yeah. So no, it's the same. It's all Microsoft had to do during the Windows Mac wars of the eighties and nineties. 
And it, all Microsoft had to do kind of during the early days of the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, which Microsoft dominated. Yeah, and it's what's it's what Nintendo had to do when Sony came around with the PS1. They everyone's got to do it. Yeah. And this is Microsoft's turn Not to do doing it. it. Yeah, what what's really the open question and this is a topic for a whole nother show so I won't spend real time on this, but the real question for me is what is this moving forward? Cuz in the past you could count on these 5 to 10 year cycles, whatever it was, 8 let's say 8 years. And you would have these consoles during that time and things would shake out and whoever led led. And that was pretty much the end of it. And you would wait for your next big try. This is different. We're doing these weird half steps. PS4 Pro, uh, the Xbox One X, despite its leaps, is still kind of a half measure. When is the cycle done? Is that ever a thing again? Are we, are I we think like it will be. I think, I think the problem is, the problem is uh, installed base. Because with these half steps, as they're saying, it's premium products. It's upsell. It's something you can sell more expensive for the one that has money and that wants the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't establish a significant user base. So I think at some point you do need a break. And I think by you know 2020, we're going to start hearing rumors about PS4 and uh, PS5 and maybe even, you know, if one does it, then they both have to do it. Of course, you're going to have backwards compatibility because now everyone has PC architecture. But I think they're going to say at some point, all right, this new machine is going to play the old games. The ones that come out for it, though, they're not going to be available on the other one because we want to have a significant leap and we want... Uh, you know, developers to start using it and to establish a better user base. I think the half steps, the continuous generation is a cool idea, but I think in practice it doesn't work. It's not going to sell enough. I think you're right. I just, it feels different this time and I don't know why. And maybe, maybe it will just pan out to be, all right, PS5, now come, you know, it like we're going to get there. But I don't, I don't know what that time frame looks like. It's got to be a little different. Because you can't do these half steps and then a year later say, yo, here's a brand new console coming out. Like no, I, I think we're going to start hearing about it like rumors and stuff in 2020. It's okay. going to be a long cycle. All right. Um, all right. Talking about Sony, um, did you see that conference last year? Uh, well, yeah, it was they, the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was awesome. I really liked yeah. it. Um, so basically they showed... Uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy, an expansion for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. They showed uh, Days Gone, which looked really good. Not as good as the previous uh, um, scene, but it was a different thing. It was a little bit more stealthy and is still, you know, if you're sick of uh, zombie apocalypses, then you're not going to like this. And uh, But I'm not, and I thought it looked really good. Monster Hunter World... Early 2018. I'm not going to go over all of it. There was a bunch of stuff. Which ones did you really like? All right. So Days Gone, I just want to say one quick thing. I, I said it during the show. I'll say it again. I think it looks like Pikmin for old people. Uh, the <laughs> way that you, you control a mob of monsters or mo- zombies was very interesting to me. I don't know if that's a one-off or if that's indicative of the gameplay throughout, but uh, super intrigued. Uh, the big jump out for me was probably... Oh, man. I, this I is mean, hard. Th- okay, we have to mention Shadow of the Colossus remaster yeah. uh, before you go to the big, big things. Yeah, that's, that, that was looked, a shock. That surprised the hell out of me. Did you know yeah. that was coming? I mean, any no, idea that no one knew. That? No one yeah. knew. That was and nuts. 
and and it looked it didn't look like like it looked like a PS4 game, which I think is not it's not just a, a, a adaptation to like you know putting it on the platform as it was. It looked stunning. Well, it looked really impressive. Like yeah. I for a minute thought, oh, a true sequel to yeah. uh, the Colossus game, but no, it appears to be a remastering, but also. Uh, clearly, we've got new textures and detail and, yeah, and yeah. lighting. I mean, everything looks new. It looks it, really, really. I think neat. it's going to give an opportunity to a lot of people to, you know, give it a try because not a lot of people tried the original one. Um, Marvel That's- versus Capcom Infinite. There was a story demo. Uh, uh, there's a story demo available now. I downloaded it. Haven't had time to play it, but it's campy and weird and it's gonna yeah, be fun can i just can i just make it clear to the world that we have to all agree on if we can, we have so many disagreements in the world can we all at least agree that when anatomically correct looking humans and metahumans are standing next to what is supposed to be mega man <laughs> that it looks dumb <laughs> it looks so dumb i mean i'm i'm sure that yes, game's gonna it be does. Great, yes it but does. mega man never fits among those people he just That's looks true. ridiculous Anyway. Well, it's not like Modoc fit in, you know, anywhere. <laughs> no, Modoc doesn't fit anywhere, literally. Well, he barely fits in his own little thing. <laughs> yeah, armor it's thing. Big. It's awful. Uh, Call of Duty World War III, two. Um Yeah, November 3rd. Three. I was going to say, wow, we haven't had yeah. a three yet. That sounds good. Well, we kind of did. Um, but yeah, that's w- okay. A, that's a big we can get, although I don't know how much cache it has anymore, but you have mm. to c- count it as a pretty big get for Sony to, to have... Um, that presented there and not at Microsoft. I think Microsoft could have benefited from that. Yeah, it's been the case for, you know, that's the kind of thing I could have expected, like Microsoft to pay for exclusives or, you know, not just launch exclusive timing, but like exclusive content or for for those big games. Um, but anyway, um, so that, oh, there were a number of things announced also before the Sony conference. Uh, the the Sony conference itself was super tight, super like barely an hour. Um, but there was also um, Gran Turismo Sport is coming this fall to PlayStation Four. Super Hot VR is coming to um, PSVR. <laughs> uh, yep. Matterfall is a weird game um, by the developers of oh, what's the thing the the launch title for PS Four oh. the, the uh, Shooter, uh, uh, Resogun, Resogun, Thank you. Yeah, um, and that's a weird. I mean, we're not going to go over those like Nak Two, Nino Kuni Two. There were a number of things, and Playlink, which is kind of the, that Jackbox phone game, but on PlayStation. Apparently, it's a thing. Uh, they announced sixty million consoles sold and um, four hundred eighty-seven games sold. Good on them. But uh, the one thing that was a little bit surprising was they did spend time on VR. They showed Skyrim VR, which was kind of intriguing. Uh, Star Child, which is weird and looked really nice. The Impatient, a fishing game in Final Fantasy XV, really. Um, (laughs) Bravo Team and Moss, which is that weird thing with a mouse that you're manipulating the environment to to, to help traverse. Uh, I mean, none of this is going to light the world on fire, but I think it's significant that they did spend time talking about VR with some games that are going to be interesting. Yeah, it will surprise no one that the Vita was never mentioned, but... I think it the, was. There was... Uh, oh, oh, what game is coming it? to the Vita? There was one know. game coming I to missed, the Vita. Did I miss that? I thought I, I thought I never saw the Vita, even talked well, about not it. Well, not on stage, you're right. I think it wasn't on stage. But. Yeah, but they... So Bad Bad Breath Barry comes out for Sony, and he taught... I, I assume he has Bad Breath, I don't know. 
But he talks for a hot second. Then they show a ton of trailers. Comes out, talks for a hot second. Ton of trailers. It kind of rinses and repeats. That's their presentation style. And I like it. Again, it's like last year's. Um, but the uh, the VR fishing thing, the fact that that's all we got out of Square. What is this world we live in where a Sony presentation <laughs> doesn't have 50 Square announcements? Like that blew, that kind of blew my mind. The lack of information about a square, a, tr- a proper square title or follow up to fa- Final Fantasy's last game or something. That was just weird to me. I mean, even beyond that, we didn't have like a lot for 2017 on the uh, Sony conference. There were, I mean, the expansion, the Lost Legacy and, and uh, Horizon thing, <clears throat> thing. And then, you know, the big games like, you know, Call of Duty and uh, the, the cross-platform stuff is going to be on PlayStation as, as well. So the, the many people who already have one are going to have stuff to do um, for the end of the year. But the other, the exclusive stuff is coming um 2018 so yeah. that's worth mentioning as well yeah um, god so god of war yeah god let's talk about that look. oh my gosh dude i'm so excited for the what i'm calling the maturation of god of war it isn't just kratos go kill stuff have naked booby sex and then go do it again <laughs> like that's not what this is this is like a heartfelt story of i don't know what ultimately redemption or correction or or something but it's him and his son traveling through the norse mythology not greek we're done with that he's killed all the greek ones they're dead well, there, yeah there aren't any gods or titans to kill yeah stuff which is super exciting for me um because i love norse mythology i love that whole thing uh so a lot of snowy vistas and this sort of stuff but it looks really, really, really good, and I'm bummed that we're not going to get it until early 2018, but I'm I'm thrilled that thing's coming along, and they showed quite a bit of that, so it looked really good. I, I would you come away with God of War? I mean, that, one, that one's got a lot of visual punch, so it's easy to get drawn into that, but I felt like this we got a lot more look at actual combat, at actual traversal stuff, at story moments and beats, um, not just... Here's Kratos. He's a badass. He has a beard and there's a kid for some reason. It was seen like a lot more this time. Yeah. I mean, oh, I need to correct something. Days Gone is December 29, 2017. So technically, oh. <laughs> technically 2017. All right. Um, cool. I think that's that's the date. It's the one on Wikipedia. So um, hmm. it might might have been delayed, but that's what I have here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, God of War. I mean, yes, it is action-y thing, but... First of all, the action part seemed really different. Like, it seems like the gameplay... You remember, you know, God of War, it was kind of often a little bit far away from the character, or it felt like you weren't... You know, it wasn't as visceral as what we've seen here. Here it felt like they've evolved the gameplay into something... You don't have the Chains of Olympus anymore. Maybe you get something equivalent at some point, but you use that weird axe that you can throw away and that acts like, like, uh, you know, Mjolnir, you know, Thor's hammer that comes back to him. And it, it, it they could have used Mjolnir probably, <laughs> you know, it's Norse <laughs> mythology. It really feels like they were copying that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it feels different enough that it's not like Call of Duty or Gears of War where the new ones always feel like the old ones. This feels like a clean break from the previous, a semi-clean break. It's still God of War, but even on the gameplay parts, it feels different enough that I think it's going to provide me with the same adrenaline, but maybe in a slightly different package. But yeah. 
but beyond we're, that, we're also, I feel like we're checking we're checking in with Kratos twenty years later. Like, yeah. So that's life, no, that's what life, I was gonna. That's what okay. I was gonna get to. It's beyond that the storytelling part, and we were talking about emotions earlier. Like, you just need three phrases to. He's alone in a boat with his son, who's very young, maybe ten or eleven, something like that. And Kratos is gruff and, and, you know, he's like angry and he's mean and all of this. And the son tells him something along the lines of, you know, you think I'm weak because I'm not like you, but I'm not weak or, you know, something along those lines. And it, it conveys something, you know? Yep. Yep. Taps right into stuff. It's universal. People get it immediately, like immediately. And it's a God of War game. They're not known for their emotional exactly. stagger at all. And and I think that's why, I mean, I understand it speaks to me as well. I, I My jam is narrative, action, cinematic games. So, of course, yeah. this is going to speak to me. But still, I feel like there is work, progression, effort put in this, these kind of things that isn't being put in some awesome-looking, you know, sports uh, uh cars racing game or that's an unfair comparison but we've mentioned it a few times or in things like halo of god of wars of god or god of gears of war which is just rehashing the exact same formula and i hope that next time we hear about halo with halo 6 that they have learned from this and that they're doing something other than just aliens oh look master chief it's okay guys everything's gonna be good master chief is here to shoot lasers yeah and time to to evolve that series no question about it yeah so anyway i mean yes god of war i'm a hundred percent in um detroit become human i wasn't you know it it felt a little bit too actiony and but maybe you know we saw some less actiony parts so maybe they wanted to show that there's stuff to do as well exclusive parts in uh, destiny 2 but of course the uh, end of the conference was, to me, I think the highlight of the entire show. I mean, the entire E3, possibly. I'm pretty. I'm pretty close to agreeing. I think. Yeah. I think probably if you put a gun to my head, I think I'm picking this. That Spider-Man demo made me squeal like a baby. It was amazing. So that game is heavily, heavily inspired by Arkham by the Batman Arkham series. It's basically oh. Arkham with a web slinger instead of the Dark Knight. And the, and the sun's out a lot. And the know, sun's like... out a lot. And there are some, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Uncharted-inspired moments where he's running and going like, no, 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 and jumping around and web slinging. And, like, the fight combat system is Arkham 100%. Totally. The web, the web tech, though, needs to be mentioned here. So even in the mm. moments where the combat feels very Arkham, the webs are used in such a way for takedowns and for blocks and things that are very unique and very, very fun. I mean, everything about... Very satisfying. Yeah. They're finally a Spider-Man game where the webs aren't just your traversal method or a way of you know, in a boss fight, stick in the floor or something like these. It looks like the the webs are going to be your character in a way. It's like so much going on with webs and the technology is right for that. It looked really, really nice. I mean, I'm, I'm not even that big of a Spider-Man fan, but oh man, everything about it looked great. Really, really, really stoked. And again, 
some some emotion conveyed in there. I'm not sure how, but they kind of did. They they've got the character right. They, this this character is in the middle of one of the worst fights in the city, and is still managing somehow to save people. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. That like the running around trying to prevent all of these like cranes and and helicopters to fall on people, and that's what he's trying to do. That is Spider Man, and that yep. they've captured the character in a way that is kind of unusual for these kinds of, you know, the, the video game versions of superheroes aren't usually great. Arkham mm -hmm. did it really well. And it seems like this one might be the, the next one. I um, think it's Marvel's Arkham, like for real. The only difference yeah. here is that Marvel's not actually doing much with it since it's a Sony property that makes this an exclusive. This will show up nowhere, but PlayStation four yeah. platforms. Um, but 2018, but what, by the way, Yeah, yeah, twenty early. Or it's yeah, early twenty eighteen. I think. Um, um, I hope. Did it say earlier? Or maybe it's fall. Who I knows? Know. I don't think so. But they. But that game has the capability of doing for Spider Man what Arkham did for Batman, and it isn't just that it made a good Batman movie. It also didn't have to be tied to a movie. Came out independently from all of that, and Arkham was like, "Yo, here's a unique take on Batman with these kinds of focuses," and that turned out to be one of the greatest franchises in superhero game history. Spider-Man could do the same thing here. It does not need to be tied to a movie. Uh, goes and just tells its own story, does its own mechanics. This is Insomniac Games. They know how to make video games, like for real. <laughs> so I'm, I couldn't be more bullish on Spider-Man. It looked incredible to me. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, as everyone understands, I am in agreement. Um, fun easter egg at the end of the um of the presentation of the demo it was about 10 minutes uh it was peter parker spider-man but at the end you have a young miles morales watching the 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 helicopter uh being caught in the web and you know he turns around and he runs off it's like a two seconds thing but you have miles morales in the game as well so that's gonna yeah. be That's huge fan fan service. That's I didn't even occur to me when I saw it. I just thought, oh, that's a weird transition, and then it hit me later. I was like, oh, that's who that is. Yeah. So they're they're really going in, and there's no reason not to. And please do learn the lessons of Arkham because there's some great things that happen because of that game. And mm. there's no reason we couldn't see. You know, I mean, hell, some of my favorite games in the last few years have all been Arkham inspired. Like the the Mordor games are yeah. straight straight up out of that. The only thing that would make this Spider-Man game any cooler is if it somehow had the Nemesis system in it. But I'm all for them all. <laughs> they should all share their ideas, man. Let's make better video games by iteration. I have no problem with it. Just to mention one thing about the Arkham uh, fight system, the reason why it's so good is that it connects one punch or one strike or one attack with an opponent. In, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's hard to articulate exactly why it feels good, but I think that's that's the reason. In most games, you like swing your giant sword, and anything that is caught in that area is gonna get hit and thrown to the side or whatever. The the Arkham system, the genius of that thing, the thing that makes it so cinematic and and engaging, is that one button connects one hit with an enemy, so it feels more visceral and and engaging and yep. you know i'm very happy they're bringing it to spider yeah it looks great the way he whipped around these guys with his webs and their neck yeah. and and the traversal 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. So this bears mentioning because John brought it up, and I think it's an important point. In the old Spider-Man games, and there were some good ones, Spider-Man 2 for the PS2 was amazing. Um, but when you would traverse through the city, you would sort of shoot your webs up into some invisible <laughs> crane in the sky that you couldn't see. And that was fine. It got you where you wanted to go, and there's still a great feeling about zipping through the city. This had a small detail, but one I appreciated, I think we all appreciated, where the webs were sticking to sides of buildings. Like you had, you had to... You you weren't just shooting it up into something that just held you up there for gameplay reasons. Like you're you're using the city as your your mode of transportation, and not just swinging, like sliding across the side of a skyscraper or running up the side of one after a good swing toward it or whatever. That stuff looked real impressive to me. Yeah, I think the the quality of Arkham was that it made you feel like you were the Batman, and you know I think that was even their tagline for the third or fourth one it was like be the batman um and this is going to make you feel like you're spider-man yeah which is what you want out of those games that you want to feel like you are the web slinger and you are doing your deal and and it doesn't feel like some crap movie tie-in that's what i don't want and i don't think that's what this is i think it looks like they're going to the core of the comic and making everybody happy i can't wait All right, uh, last conference that happened earlier today, very short, uh, the Nintendo Showcase, show something, um, which was, yeah, really short and not a, a huge amount, but still some things. They, some things in the sense that they announced they're working on stuff. The biggest were Pokemon RPG and Metroid Prime 4 are in development for the Switch, but mm. they didn't even have anything to show it was basically just a title card or yeah just, which i mean i would like more obviously but i'm happy to hear that those are in the works i think metroid yeah the prime uh games deserve another look i, I think a 2d metroid game would be great although they did show that on 3ds so that's a thing people can look forward to but yeah uh i mean of course pokemon damn straight uh, the only thing i'm really bummed about with any of this Uh, and I didn't get to see it because I was doing another show, but no uh, Animal Crossing? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you trying to <laughs> s- destroy my soul here? Because I love those games, and I would kill for one on there. But, well, they still have to to keep stuff for later. I mean, they're, they're, what they have under their, uh, you know, in their bag for to put out next year is Animal Crossing and, uh, and uh, uh, Smash Brothers. That's true. Plus, there are Animal Crossing. There is, and Animal I mean, Crossing. there are a number of things, but yeah, and there's an Animal Crossing mobile game in the works, and I don't even know what that is yet. So yeah. maybe that's where they're putting their money for that. Who knows? Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is going to be coming uh, end of the year in the fall. Possibly the worst VO work ever. It was <laughs> terrible. It was like cringeworthy. It was so bad. It, it's it's so bad. It's worth going to check it out just for that. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on Switch. Um, Kirby Switch and Yoshi Switch are coming next year. Uh, classics, but still cool. I mean, obviously cool. Um, Fire Emblem Warriors, possibly the second worst VO work ever. Um, also coming in the fall of 2017. Um, Zelda, they showed a little bit of the Master Trials and the Champion uh, Ballad, Champions Ballad expansion packs looked cool. Um, they made a number of the invitational esports events they had for um, 
Splatoon and Pokken Tournament, and also a thing about around arms. Uh, they showed again Mario and uh, Rabbids. It's coming out August 29, so the end of the summer. There's Rocket League coming to uh, the Switch. It's going to be cross-platform for the platforms that agreed to doing cross-platforms. Uh, cross-platform, there's going to be some Mario items. And... The one big thing, uh, talking about Mario, there was a number of um, things shown for Super Mario Odyssey. Mm. Um, you haven't seen that, right? No, I want to. I understand that the hack can control everything from yeah. other Mario-sized people to like straight-up dinosaurs. It is weird, <laughs> and I'm not sure I, I like it from a visual standpoint. Like this, The art style is still strange having mario in like somewhat realistic places inspired fantasy places yeah. but mechanics wise it looks really interesting um basically with the hat you can throw the hat as stuff and then capture they called it capture the enemies um and so you become that enemy for a certain amount of time uh, you can even transform into electricity and travel along uh, uh, electric lines. He has like tons of different appearances and there's weird moments where you have like 2D Mario portions of a level in a wall mm -hmm. in the environment that you can go to and integrate and traverse as a 2D Mario, um, you know, moment in the game. Um Kind of like the, the Zelda thing on 3DS, you know, the paper <laughs> Zelda moments. Um, right. But overall, the game feels very much like an open world. It feels sandboxy. Um, it's going to be out October 27, by the way. So it's not the end end of the year. It's coming in the fall-ish. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it feels... I'm very intrigued and intrigued because of the reasons why you're intrigued by a Mario game, which is gameplay and, and you know, uh, uh, the, the way a 3D Mario game explores the environment and does platforming, kind of platforming in a, 3D, in a free 3D open world. Um, mm -hmm. the, the way the hat works, the way you, you interact with the environment, it's all very different. I think that's what I take away from the what they showed at the show and then for, I don't know, half an hour of uh, uh, treehouse footage. Um, it is different. They are taking a significant risk or chance with Mario, maybe in the same way that they did with Zelda. And I was not sold on Zelda when they showed all of these uh, uh, gameplay moments. So I'm going to be, I'm going to learn my lesson and, not be too uh, uh, worried about... Not even worried. I mean, it looks okay, but I'm not sure it's going to be great. But it could be, if it does half of what Zelda did, it's going to be incredible. And it seems like they're not choosing to do the same thing again. I would have loved to have a 3D Mario game like Mario 3D World. I've said many times how much I love that game. Um, yeah. But this is taking a risk, and I like it for that. Yeah, I do too. I mean... That's when they've done their biggest innovating. N64's Mario 64 was a huge risk. It was a it was the jump to 3D nobody thought was possible. And if you get back in the mindset of the mid-90s, you realize what a risk that was. Then you look at Galaxy as another example. 
that game took all kinds of crazy risks and it's an amazing game. Those, both those games are incredible. So when they do this, I get excited, even though it's a little weird. I mean, there's, I'm looking at video now, there's a full grown male man (laughs) walking around with a Mario hat on. That's That's Mario. You you capture that man and you become him and you move around as him. It it's is really weird. Weird. It's super weird. But I, I trust in them to the to the point that I think they're going to pull off whatever this weirdness is. Yeah. So yeah, a genuine excitement for me on this front. I think it's going to be awesome. And it's not that far off. Like, it's weird. Some of the biggest games of this year are going to be Nintendo games, uh, despite the fact that you know the Switch is being criticized for not having out. a ton of games. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the end of the year, you're going to have Mario. It's that we can talk about this for just a second before we uh, close the show. Um, By October 27, if Mario is not a disaster, which I don't think it's going to be, you know, what I mean is even if it's not as mind blowing as Zelda was for that series, even Mm -hmm. if it's just a good Mario game, then the Switch is, as we've mentioned a few times, a completely valid purchase. And there, are, there is enough other stuff around that that makes it a, a preferred second console. Uh, or, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's your first or second. It's a great console to buy, which a year ago I would not have thought I would be saying. No, I can't. I can't believe how it's, it's the turnaround that no one expected. Um, and I'm thrilled about it because Nintendo makes games I can't get anywhere else. And where else am I going to get them but Nintendo? So bring it on. Yeah, I think the lesson of all of this is don't forget about first party. <laughs> it is, yeah, well, it is. That's no, what makes or breaks a console, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in the Switch's case, it's everything. Like, it's straight up everything. Yeah, of course. Of They've course. earned that. And you could argue Sony over the last five, six, seven years has earned that because they've spent a lot of time and investment over the years building up what is now a great stable of new and current content that is exclusive. Whereas Microsoft kind of hung everything on Halo and Gears, and now they don't have anything, mm. like they or they've canceled it, and it's that's weird. That's weird if you're trying to compete with two other companies that have this much stuff in their under their you know in their pocket at any given time where they can just make a Metroid game and blow our minds. All right. I think that is a good amount of discussion about E3 2017. Obviously, we could keep talking about a number of things for a long time. And there are games we didn't mention. There are some aspects of some games that we didn't talk about. We could talk about for much longer. I'm sure some of you guys are going to think we it, it's criminal that we didn't talk about this or that. Uh, but we're already almost two hours in. So I hope you will be uh, <laughs> uh, okay with us uh, stopping here. Um, before we do, though, so Scott, do you want to close it off? Because it is kind of, you know, pixels and boob together. So, yeah, it's a joint show. It's like a it's like a marijuana cigarette wrapped tightly around two people. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Anyway, hey, uh, yeah. So uh, first of all, I think a pretty solid E3. Where it's very focused on games this time. I like when years are like that. Uh, despite the Microsoft hardware uh, announcement, this isn't a conference that's overwhelmed with gadgets or gimmicks or VR or any of those things. Uh, we're more focused on what am I playing and when will I be playing it. 
And that means a lot to me. Uh, so uh, as far as our coverage goes, that's maybe been my favorite thing about this. In terms of uh, more content and more stuff, everybody, make sure you check out the Boop feed. We'll have a show this weekend, likely myself and Brian, which will be uh, a little more E3 in there, but also some other stuff unrelated to that. I'm going to talk more about why I think I'm obsessed with the ESO right now. I have a theory. So we'll get to that uh, this weekend. And uh, that's over at frogpants.com slash boop. And, of course, everything you need from Patrick right over there at frenchspin.com. Uh, they should be doing that now. That's not just this show. There's other shows, right? Absolutely. You can check out uh, the Phyllis Club, which is a show where we talk about serious stuff. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about it with people who disagree with us. But we're still remaining civil. It's possible. Go check it out. And of course, go check me out on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm not Patrick on both of those platforms. I hope you had a good time with us. We certainly did have a good time together. And um, we'll be on each other's shows, of course, throughout the year. And we'll be back with another Booksel next year. But that's far off. It will be 2018. Yeah, it's going to be a ways off. But I love it. It's a tradition. Fourth year. It is now a tradition. Yep. By then, we'll be playing uh, all these 2018 things. <laughs> Almost all of them. Um, yeah. Well, we'll we'll have lots of gaming things to talk about before then. And uh, we hope you'll join us on Pixels and on the Boob Show uh, to talk about all of that. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful day, week, and uh, summer. And uh, I'll give it to Scott to conclude the show. I will also say that you should have all those good things and more. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. everyone.